lifestyle choices and environmental factors impact your brain health and the physiology and psychology of your mental health. When you're ready to turn your brain on to get your game on, listen to In Your Head Radio. Now here's your host, Lee Richardson. We have got a great show today. We've got Julio Salado, a native of Boston. He's the founder of fitnessfoundry.net, a leading online resource for health and wellness. For over a decade, Mr. Salado has guided countless individuals from all levels of fitness to achieve their body sculpting and personal training goals. And that's a hard job every day, but I think in 2020, we've really pushed that to the max. And I think it's his unique blend of Western exercise science and holistic arts, and that these have been featured on numerous TV shows in print and online, but it's his unique blend that allows him to help people find that motivation when it's really hard. He also is a continuing education provider and consultant for team development and personal training business. You know, and I think, I know his passion is carried out inside the gym, but I know he also puts that into out into the community with social networking and trying to trying to be part of the, the success health and fitness professionals in the area. Julio, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you for having me, Lee. Uh, it's a pleasure. Well, you know, 2020, I only have two words to say about 2020, and neither one of them is fitness. It's stressed out. And, you know, I've, I've noticed that there's a lot less people that are, that are working out. It, motivation, when you're so stressed out, is so hard. I'm sure people, I know people ask me all the time, so Lee, what part of the brain is responsible for motivation? Because let's train that part. <laughs> and my response is, well, motivation has to come from within. So do you get asked about motivation? Oh, um, yes, of course. And I, I mean, like, I'm human, too, so I also need some motivation myself. But I generally get the inspiration when I see individuals putting out every effort that they can to practice self-care, if that makes any any sense. So it's kind of like a two-way street. And uh, I like how you talked about 2020 and stressed out. And um, I think a lot of us, and it includes myself, some of us manage it differently. We got that fight or flight mode. And I think the on switch is on for fight, which is the, uh, the stress. So your type of your show and um, allowing others to say, you know, things will get better, we're, we're in this together, can kind of put the switch back down so we're not in that whole always that um, stress mode. And I think um, every effort counts. Well, I think every effort does count. And I think for me, my biggest stress management actually is working out. That is where that's, we talk, you mentioned self-care. And, you know, so many people think of self-care as being a bottle of wine and Netflix. And self-care is a lot more than that. It's taking care of your, taking care of your body, your mind, your spirit, your soul, all of that. And for me, a big part of that is the physical piece. Well, you know, exercise releases endorphins. Endorphins make us feel really, really good. Oh, 100%. And as you just uh, alluded to, is the physiological part of physical activity. You know, the body doesn't know if you're lifting like a dumbbell or you're doing wall push-ups. 
or you're walking up a flight of stairs and down the stairs. The body cannot differentiate, you know, hey, this is an exercise. It's just a physical activity. And if you're, you know, again, like I'm big on every effort count. If you've been sitting for four hours, you know, straight, it does count when you say, okay, I'm aware today I'm going to walk up the flight of stairs maybe two times. And um, that makes a difference, and it ties into the endorphins, too. I have yet to meet someone say, you know, I just worked out, and I feel worse. It's, I have yet to meet that person. <laughs> you make a good point, you know. I've I've never heard somebody say that either at the gym, you know. It's usually they have a smile on their face, and they they look happier. It's, it's, the, it's the human nature. It's the point to, you know, uh, 90% is showing up. So it's actually like that, that whole process in our brain saying, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then having somebody like Lee or myself say, you know what, just do what you can. And today is the day. And you will be pleasantly surprised of the results. Well, you know, just hearing you say, do what you can, that takes the stress off. That makes me feel like, okay, he doesn't expect me to do 10 pull-ups and 20 push-ups and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, So accepting people for where they are, I think, gives them a level of comfort. And you're right. That is, that inspires many people. And, you know, I saw on your website that you use some yin and yang universal principles. And I hear a little bit of yin and yang in that right there. Tell me more about that. So there is no, uh, I don't look at physical activity as black or white, you know, like pass or fail. It overlaps. So that's why we're the gray areas, every effort count. And uh, sometimes we can be really hard on ourselves, be like, I could have done more. And uh, yes and no. You know, if you initiate it, you want to look at the big picture is what I'm getting at. So if you had a period of inactivity, say, for a week, and then today you actually end up doing exercise, that's a huge step. And on the flip side, if your plan was to do activity today, whatever it would have been, maybe walk around the neighborhood, and you didn't do it, guess what? You haven't lost anything because tomorrow is a new day, and you can, you can try to do it again. What do you find is harder? Because, you know, there's there's two pieces to me to health and wellness. One is exercise. Actually, there's three. There's, there's exercise, there's nutrition, and there's sleep. What do you find people are struggling the most with right now? Uh, probably all of the above. The sleep, you know, they all overlap. So the stressing part can tie into anxiety, insomnia, if you don't have it. Some people, they can sleep like a log, and then that can also go into an extreme where you're sleeping too much. Um, I I agree with that. I think sometimes when people get a little depressed, it's easier just to go to sleep than maybe. I don't want to think about that right now. And, and sleep is a safer coping skill than alcohol or drugs or so. But I do agree. I think we tend to use sleep too much sometimes. This part, yeah, and, and it's like anything that's extreme. Um, the, so you also mentioned nutrition. Nutrition is also something part of self-care. And nutrition, all I, I can refer to is like the, if we're pumping beverages, because sometimes people forget that a drink can have a high amount of sugar. So that roller coaster of the sugar can also bring us to a, a lower depression or, or speed us up a little bit too much. And it's hard to break that cycle because the brain and the body gets 
um, used to it and they want that euphoric recall. So if I had one Coke, I want two Cokes next time. And um, it's been my experience, and you're a scientist. The body and the brain is so smart, it will actually know the time when you actually have the sugar intake or the food with the high carbs, if you get what I'm saying, or the fast food. So if you eat cereal at 2 o'clock in the morning, guess what your brain's going to remember? Wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning to have that cereal. Well, you know, you're right. Those are implicit memories. And a lot of times those memories are, are, you know, from something traumatic in our life. But implicit memories are based off what you smell, what you tasted, what you felt, what you heard, what you saw. And And it keys in, oh, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. Two days ago, I had this, you know, this great bowl of cereal, and it made me feel so good. I think I should have another one. And that, you know, there's a great book called The Body Keeps Score, and it talks about how trauma, how everything, it lives in the body. Oh, yeah, and then on the yin-yang side, as we talked about earlier, right? So that's what your brain is also and your body is going to do with exercise. It's also going to do that with um, when you're eating healthier food, when you're uh, getting uh, adding more hydration. Your body is going to recognize that, and it's also going to recognize when you stop doing it, too. So it goes both ways, and today is the best day to try to practice a little bit more self-care in those three areas than you did yesterday. So where do you try, where do you start with self care with people? Because for you know for me, I'll say you know sometimes self care is just using a little inner reflection, asking yourself you know where do I get my energy? What do I need to do with my downtime? Because a lot of times people don't know what they need for self care. So how do you help them discover that? Well, usually if I'm speaking or if I'm like some. So one of the easiest way is to literally move. Because sometimes we can't think our way into acting. We have to act first. So it just works for, better for some people. If they repeatedly hear, you know, like every, every effort count, um, today is the day to do any type of physical activity. When you start to do it, you will start to understand and feel, I'm big on feel, why it's valuable. There's a quote by Maya Angelou that she, I'm not going to say it the best way. It's like people will forget what you say. People will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And I believe that's true with exercise and physical activity. And it's been my experience working with individuals that once they start to do activity, they're going to want more, and it spreads out to nutrition and more self-care and the sleep because they're going to want to learn what else can they do to keep it going. Yeah, you're you're right. Once you get you start feeling better, your self confidence improves. You can see the forest for the trees. You can start to set some goals and envision yourself going in directions that you probably couldn't before. So, do you use do you set personal training goals with people? I first listen to what they would like as a goal, and I always ask them like um, to give me two to three goals. And then we, we, we make them into tangible goals, uh, specific, they have to be measurable, um, realistic. And then we set a timetable time based on their schedule and their lifestyle. So regarding any type of goals that we set together, I don't set goals for people. It has to be based on their lifestyle and realistic. 
and then we'll set little short goals. That's why I I, I, I keep saying like um, if you if you look back in the last seven days and one and in your mind or you wrote down like I want to do X Y and Z regarding physical activity and you haven't done so, and it's been seven days. Then you can you can you can say okay, maybe I want to um, instead of me maybe that goal was like I'm going to run, maybe we can say I'm going to walk, you know. So you gotta like start to look at yourself what you've been doing and maybe change the goal a little bit as a stepping stone. Well, what I hear you say is make those goals realistic because, I mean, let's face it, if you haven't even been out walking on a regular basis to say you're going to go run, how realistic is that? That's, that's, uh, that's, that's human nature, isn't it? We want – so sometimes we think more is better, and, so, and a lot of times it's not. So that's why it's very helpful when you have someone like you or myself say, let's start with the uh, maybe like a fast walk or jog, and then you get those endorphins going, and then you have one day underneath your belt, then you have two, and next thing you know, you're doing a slow jog, and you have a week underneath your belt. So I'm big on small victories. Well, and to me, anytime I can accomplish something, it doesn't really matter how big it is. I feel good. It makes me feel really good and proud of myself. So let me back up a little bit. And let me ask you, how did you start the fitnessfoundry.net? What what took um, you there? So believe it or not, I I originally was not I, I how can I say this? I've always gone to the gym um, to practice self care. And as a child, I was actually overweight, and I, uh, I suffer from depression. But these days, I learn how to uh, to live with depression with outside help, and I'm a survivor, no longer a victim from it. But there was a period in my time when I didn't, I was unaware of that. So this kind of ties into the big picture of why I have a holistic view of health and fitness. One of the physical part of self-care was going to the gym and working out, and there was a um, there was a trainer there who thought I was a trainer. At that time, I was gainfully employed, a nine to five. And he kept asking me, are you a trainer? I said, no. And I said, why? You think I'm a trainer? He said, because I see the way you communicate to other members. You're very pleasant. Very, uh, You're a good listener, and you're actually showing the exercises in the, in the right way. I said, no, I'm just being helpful. And then um, about like three months later, he gave me my first fitness certification textbook. So it was a science, exercise science book to get certified. And once I opened that up, I fell in love with the science of it, which gave me this, just really, uh, the light bulb went in my head. I'm like, wow, there's a science behind exercise. I was completely oblivious to it. I was doing more intuitively. And then I pursued to get a certification. And from that certification, I made a decision to see if I can go into it full time. So I've always had that, um, that, that, that was my introduction into the industry. And my very first year, I decided to, um, to, to put my, to come up with fitness foundry and put it online because I wanted to share what I was learning with a broader base rather than just in my neighborhood. I knew that the internet would give me that platform and I can also network and, and continue to learn. If that, hopefully that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And I thank, thank you for sharing your story because everybody has a story. And usually it has a personal connection or a, or a physical connection. And you certainly look fit. I, that is, you do look like you have that 
professional trainer look. Have you ever competed in any sports on a professional or, or competitive level? No, I personally haven't, but I've uh, trained individuals to do that. Uh, well, my my competition has always been with myself. So when I said I was when I was younger, I used to be overweight, and I've personally experienced a roller coaster of weight loss and gain until I learned the science of it, because it's more based on behavior modification. So that's been my own uh, personal competition. So even as when I was a trainer, I actually gained weight at one time because I went through a cycle of the depression. I didn't stop what I was doing. I was still in the industry. I was still helping people lose weight and keep it off. But I personally was not able to because I, I, I'm human. I'm not perfect. And then that was a really interesting period of my life because I actually knew the science, but I couldn't apply it to myself. And then I asked a friend who was also a coach to help me and motivate me until I can um, get my feet underneath me. And that's been about, at that time, I was like over 60 pounds, and I lost that. Now I've lost like 70 pounds. I kept it off over seven years, give or take. Wow, that's that's a big loss. That's something to be proud of. And it's interesting that, you know, I like that you turn to other people to, to for support because nobody can do everything all by their own. And we don't have to. No. That's why I am very grateful I went through that experience because even with the knowledge that I had, I I couldn't apply it to myself. And and I was fortunate enough to be able to ask for help. And then I got the motivation and, and, you know, the hand held holding. And then from there, I was back on it. And uh, I'm much more vigilant uh, with my own self-care. So I, I never have to experience that amount of weight gain again. And That's I try that. to do that with others, and now I do that with others. My life experience is an asset to others. Oh, that's great that you're kind enough to share that, too, because people, when they hear that what's worked for you and they look at you and they say, yep, it's worked, that's that's motivating to them, you know? So let me ask you a question. You you work with people of all ages. I think I saw on your website that you put in place a program for seniors. Is that correct? Yes, it's called the Sparta Method, um, and it's a it's a book and also slash project and method where I created a um, an exercise regimen that also includes the cognitive part of aging and on top of the physiological part. Um, there is a, a, a misunderstanding or a misconception that older adults' fitness regimen should be based on their chronological age. So if I'm 75, I should only be doing X, Y, and Z, when it actually should be based more on physiological age, which looks more at the, whole, at, at the person from a holistic view, because that 75-year-old, just because they're 75 doesn't mean they don't have a, a capability of doing other exercises, you know, within how they're structured. So that's a big part of my uh, my book is discussing to that the medical community and the fitness industry should consider, and research has proven this, that physiological age is a much better assessment of an older adult's capability. And then I also brought in the cognitive part, which ties into uh, uh, Alzheimer's and dementia, 
and um, and the fear factor. I'm sorry, that's what I was trying to get to. A lot of programs these days um, do not factor in that fear of falling is could be a main reason why older adults do not want to do certain exercises. So in my program, I actually ask part of my assessment. I talk about the client's fears, so we can include it in their program and start to help overcome it and lessen it. I can kind of rephrase everything I said. I kind of threw a lot out there, but that's that's my Sparta program. Well, you know, it's interesting because falls are so common, and they're, I think, the number two leading cause for TBI hospitalizations. And once you fall, I mean, I've been in ICU twice with brain injury. And once you fall, you that fear stays in you. Um, and I, I, both times I fell going down a flight of stairs. And till today, I, and just in 2020, I've made a real effort not to touch the railing on the stairs. And my first, my first response is to grab it. And with, with 2020, I've just decided I don't need to be touching the railing on the stairs, but it's hard not to, I have to tell you. Oh, well, yeah, I actually did a, um, a course for an online course, a workshop for fitness professionals, I think last Monday. Everything is a blur with time. And in the course, um, you know, I make the analogy, if you're an athlete and you had a shoulder injury, you're going to have fear of using that shoulder with that high performance because you're going to have a fear of re-injuring it. What allows them to help lessen that fear is the coach and the, the small ex- and the exercises that that person is doing repeatedly, which is also progressive training. So if you follow my thought process there, athlete has a uh, rotator cuff injury, has surgery, wants to continue to play, gain the big bucks, but that person has a fear. It can also be a female. And through coaching and a science-based regimen, not complicated, he starts to overcome, build the strength and mobility, and he or she is back on the field. I do the same thing with um, older adults. So if the older adult had a knee injury or shoulder injury or hip injury, after clearing through PT, we discuss the fears, um, the steps that, that are necessary to help you first overcome that fear through certain exercises. And then that also leads to empowermently, if you follow my thought process. So it's the same principles. We just have to... Um, we just have to we just have to believe that coaching and motivation can go a long way if it's paralleled also with a science based program. Well, I think and you said this earlier, you, listening to people is really important. And sometimes, of course, in my business, I'm a psychotherapist and neurotherapist. Sometimes the, the most important thing that I can do is just listen. Oh, that's. Do you know that the word silent and listen has the same letters? I didn't, but I do now. I pick up all these little things. Yeah, that's... That, I think that separates me from some other fitness individuals. That my listening to someone ask, "Do you have a fear of doing this?" They say yes. Then I ask, I quantify on a scale of one to ten, and they may say a five or a three or an eight. Because once I understand how big the fear is, then I can work with them. If it's a two, then that's different, right? If it's a nine, then you start to get a physiological response from fear. You can have uh, your blood pressure goes up, your heart rate. You know, you can get shaky legs. So it's um, it starts from the listening to their, their answers to my questions and also um, following through and being respectful. 
So do you take somebody's heart rate when you're working with them or do, or they can just they can detect that? No, I don't take their heart rate, but I, I'm actually an EMT also. Ah, uh, okay. So, so you I, know what um, to look for. Yeah, and then, you know, I just ask, do you need to, they just, if you quantify something, if they say it's a nine, then I'm going to assume that they're very afraid of the exercise. If they say it's a two, their physiological response would be very different than a nine. You know, like going on a roller coaster versus on a Ferris wheel. No, I, uh, what do we call that, merry-go-round? I just dated myself. I'm not sure if they still have those. <laughs> well, that's interesting. You know, it's it's one of the things that I tell people is just breathe. And it's a program that as a, my act of gratitude for the people in my community this holiday season is to offer this program, Just Breathe. There's no charge. You know, it's take 30 minutes out of your day and come up, sit down, and learn the power of breath. Because I'm talking to you, and in order to say everything I'm saying, I have to take 12 to 14 breaths a minute. But my optimal breath rate, like everybody else's, is between four and seven breaths a minute. So that's just something I feel like the best thing that you can do for your to manage your stress is to breathe through it. Do you do you do any breath work with in your training? Well, I don't think we mentioned this. So I actually have a background in Tai Chi. That was one of um, this Tai Chi Chuan is a Tai Chi philosophy. And when I was 18, I was introduced to Tai Chi Chuan. I'm sorry, Tai Chi philosophy. And then I pursued the um, the movement part of it. And that changed because when I was younger, I was you know had anxiety. Uh, and I was I learned the power of breathing, like, as you said. But the way I learned it was through doing the slow motions. And then from there, I also explored the meditative part of it, where you just sit. And from that, I've come to the conclusion, as you're saying, it's like, look, if you just want to stand and breathe or if you want to sit and breathe, wherever you are is the best place to practice breathing. It's like you don't have to be on a mountain to get the benefits of breathing. That's a nice environment. And uh, as you probably already, as you do know, and many of your listeners probably know, it takes practice. But it's, it's worth it. Boy, does it take practice. And, you know, I'll tell you, I learned to breathe sitting at, at red lights. I had just gotten a cell phone, and I was determined. Now, I'm dating myself. I was determined that I was not going to look at my cell phone when I was at a, a red light. And I decided, you know what? I'm going to learn how to slow my breath down. And and it, it worked. I think it was also a great <laughs> preventative action from a driving standpoint. But you're you're you make such a good point because you can learn to breathe anywhere. We've got about a minute before we go to to go to break. But when you think about where did you learn to breathe? Well, you said Tai Chi, but did you practice it other places or? I practice in temple. So I practiced at um, the temple that I was going to where you they had you sit, and then it was in a group setting. And then from there, you know, like many people, I've also read books, 
and uh, ironically, all the books and all the tempo setting and everything all points to one thing: is to just start today and practice and sit. <laughs> Boy, you make right. Right. You make the best point. You know, today's the day. You don't need a special occasion to start doing anything, exercising or just sit and breathe. When we come back from break, we'll talk more about that. We'll be back after these messages. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. next door to someone with a dog that barks all the time as i'm writing this my neighbor's dog has been barking non-stop for over an hour now studies show one third of dog owners own at least one nuisance barker doesn't it enter their minds that neighbors have been subjected to their dog barking all day what's a word for a person like me who's a chronic complainer a mizzler Dogs that are most likely to be nuisance barkers are from the herding breeds such as Ollies, German Shepherds, and Kelpies. Barking may be caused by separation anxiety or perceived threats in the environment. What's a word for the act of barking? Latration. Why is it dogs don't like it when you blow in their face but love to stick their head out the window when they ride in a car? It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. We're back. Now, here is your host, Lee Richardson. We're back, and Julio Salado's with me, and he's founder of the fitnessfoundry.net. And we were talking about the power of, of breath and the power of listening and the power of silence. All three of those things are something that we can each individually control, and nobody else can control those for us. And that's, you know, when I said that, that's such an, those are so powerful, and it's up to me to exercise those. When you, when you think about your power, Julio, where does it come from? Where does your energy come from? Uh, my energy comes from knowing that this is, I just say, that we're all connected. We all, there's a, a universal conscious. And I firmly believe that. I experience it. I see it. I see it in nature. And, uh, and that's something that really keeps me grounded. You know, if I feel a certain way, depressed or aligned, I know that um, I know that I, my feelings are not. How can I say this? Are not as um, I will get through it. Is what I'm getting. And knowing that other people have gone through it, and other and um, people are suffering, and other people are not suffering. It, it's just knowing that there's a universal consciousness is very comforting. And if you want to talk about that, because I think I'm going to actually have um, my little test right now. 
Okay. Well, you know, it's interesting that you talk about universal consciousness because the political anxiety that we have been left with has been, we're so polarized and we're so divided. And, you know, I was out doing my walk this morning. I usually walk sometimes before I go to the gym and I still see all the signs up, the presidential signs. And my inner voice says, can't we take those down? You know, we've had the election, whether you agree with it or not, it's done. Can't we take those signs down and come together? I mean, the United States, U.S., us, we, we need to come together. And it's interesting because I had a guest talk about how we're moving into the year of, it, this, of Aquarius and how different that is because instead of being, we've been, we've been kind of focused on the me. Everything's about me and individual. And as we go into the Aquarius, it's going to be more about the community and what we do, what we can accomplish to, together, the overall greater good. And I find that to be so inspiring. And that gives me hope because I need my community, whether it's my community that at the gym or at church or my colleagues. I need my community to, because I get strength from that, too, just like you do. And I, I'm going to piggyback on that. And um, I'm a firm believer that any any a lot of things can be unlearned. So I just use an extreme example like hate. You know, hate is very corrosive, but I know for a fact I hate is babies aren't born hating. That's not a that's not how we're born. That's something that's cultivated by the misinformation. Um, but I know that could be unlearned. I have to um to this roll down your window. Hi. Julio? Yes. Here. Well, you know, and I think that Julio is saying the same thing that I'm saying is and that is is that anything that's learned can be unlearned. And so people will say, well, I've just learned how to do that. I've done that all my life. Well, you know what? You can unlearn it. If you are willing to put the work in and put the energy in, you can you can unlearn whatever you've learned. And, you know, we're learning without even knowing it. As we grow up, we learn that, oh, this is the best, you know, this is the best thing to do to get this from my mom. Or, oh, this is what my sibling needs from me. So if I do this for her, she'll do this for me. But and maybe those learned behaviors aren't the best to utilize in the real, in our, in a professional world. So, and I know Julio's done some consulting for team development and, you know, we can talk a little bit more about how you can get people, how you can get a team to work together and to change behavior and what's involved in that. I mean, does it start with unlearning or does it start with setting a new norm? Um, It could start a lot of different places. Well, I, uh, if I can... Sorry about that. Your audience wouldn't know. I actually had a, I just took a COVID test. <laughs> and, uh, 2020 is like that. Uh, the schedules overlap. But I'm back. And uh, that's part of personal, re- personal responsibility, self-care, and thinking of the community. That's why uh, I, I needed to do that. And so when I was speaking about the universal consciousness, I firmly believe that the more I can put out good, 
I, like my trying to have a caring heart is important. Is what I'm getting at. You know, it's it's not. It takes work to do that, but it's much more rewarding than um, than than trying to change someone or to try to judge them because they don't agree with my I'm good with my political views or any specific views. If that makes any sense. Oh, it does, because it's just, you know, just being kind, just as simple as, as being kind, letting somebody go in front of you. Um, I can't tell you what a smile that puts on my face when I'm at a, I'm trying to get on the tow road and, you know, somebody just slows down and lets me pull in front. I'm like, ah, it's going to be a great day. <laughs> it's the little things. Oh. I have to just remember something. I've been wanting to share this with someone, and I guess it's going to be shared with more people. So I, I've recognized this, right? The human smile is extremely powerful. If you see a baby smile, it's very hard not to smile back. You know, if you follow, just follow my thought process on that. Now, when we smile, even if we have a mask, you know someone is smiling by their eyes. So it's like smiling eyes. If you, when you're out in the streets and you have streets and you're doing your daily uh, errands, and try smiling at someone, you know, make sure that uh, might look kind of weird. If you smile, they can see it in your eyes, and they probably will acknowledge what a smile is. What I'm getting at. So this is that random act of kindness. We are so right, and and you know, in 2020, we we've, we've been covered in masks, and we've had to learn how to read the eyes, or I have. And now I feel like I'm. I have a better way of sensing how somebody's doing. I, yeah, I think we're becoming like experts on that, on reading um, eyes and expressions. But it's just going to the what we were talking about earlier. Just circling back, you know, just putting out that energy, that positive energy, uh, does make a difference. And the act of kindness, you know, it does make a difference in um, just trying to encourage people to continue to do that. And you never know who it helps. No, you don't. You know, my mom, I, my mom always told me as I was growing up, what goes around comes around. And I honestly believe that, that if I do goodness, if I show goodness and kindness to someone, it'll come back around. And maybe not to me, but to somebody else that needs it even more. So there is, you know, it's that synergy. When it's good plus good, it doesn't equal two. It equals three. Huh, I like that. So, so you've done a lot of different things. You've written some blogs I saw on your website. When, what is your favorite topic to blog about? Well, right now, uh, I'm really enjoying uh, contributing to older adult fitness and health. Changing... Being part of and changing their the the, the, the perspective that of um, I'm back pedal. Fitness is in the new era. Period. When this pandemic hit, the one to one and the gyms, you know, that really wasn't as normal as regular as, as it was before. So I, I had to pivot more online and to do my 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 motivation and exercise and free events online. And what I found is that 
older adults, they followed suit. So just like me and like a lot of us, they learned how to use Zoom. They, you know, they, they're on social media, they're on YouTube. So it's been very, really rewarding for me to see it being received well that you know to continue to exercise this to exercise and um it, it, I, I think I'm kind of rambling but I think you see where I'm going with that it's, it's just a it's a special population to me well it, it's a special I, population I mean just the numbers if you look at the biggest part of our population right now you know what the the fastest growing age group is it's those a hundred years old plus. When I learned that, I was amazed. Yeah, and I, I, I'm on a mission is to make sure that the quality of life is there. And, I, and exercise is medicine. If there is, I don't debate about it. Exercise can be part of any uh, doctor's prescription. And, um, physical activity, you know, strength training, if we need balance training, just movement, just movement, just movement. Lose it, use it or lose it. And uh, I, I know it ties into quality of life also, because I've seen it. And I witness it every day with my clients and people who are not my clients who are also watching my videos and reading my blogs, they're practicing what I'm advising, along with a whole bunch of other fitness professionals. I'm not alone on this. I'm just part of a small chorus of fitness professionals that are uh, that are just saying that older adults are, are, are capable of more than what people thought they were capable of in the in the 70s or in the 60s. It can be athletic too. There, I said it. You got it out of me. There you go. You got it out of me. But you know what? They can. People, you know, used to, you worked, you retired at, at 62, you lived for a few years, and you died. It doesn't work that way anymore, and I'm grateful for that. I'm very grateful for that. But we have, and a lot of it's through what we've learned through technology and through prevention, and and we've learned the important things with exercise. And when I think of get, getting old, I think of balance, because if you don't have your balance, it's going to be a lot easier to fall. And balance is something that you know, I never thought about that as a kid. I, now, you may have, you know, doing the Tai Chi, um, because to me that's very grounding. But I never thought about that. And learning balance, it can be hard. What's your first approach for someone that has balance issues? Well, I first have to first have to find out physically, you know, from a structural point of view, you know, do they have a replaced knee? Do they have any preconditions? Any is it vestibular? Does it does it come from the brain? Um, so those are first things that we have to, you know, include in a in an exercise program. And then the balance exercises will follow. Everyone can, can can benefit from doing balance exercises. On top of strength training, they go hand in hand. So I have to emphasize for your audience, there's a difference between like standing on one leg versus doing strength training that's single leg training because then you will be strengthening the muscles that allow you to balance better. That makes any sense. They overlap. So you, you, you have your parasympathetic nervous system, right, for balance. Then you have your sympathetic nervous system for strength training. 
So you want to have a combination of both. And, and, and I want to make sure your audience knows that I'm, it's not complicated. It's very, I want to make sure that you understand it's a simple thing. And it's also practical. You don't have to buy expensive equipment. Uh, all it takes is just, just uh, a willingness. And safety. Make sure you have uh, that, it's, that you know you're in a safe environment to to do to do exercises. Well, when you say safety, do you mean you have a you know something to hold on to, or do you have an accountability somebody watch it, worth seeing you, so that if you need help, they can reach out, or just oh. use good old common sense and and be safe? That's a combination. So that's funny you say that. That's literally in my book. Uh, so for safety pro- protocols, would be like just make sure there's nothing around on the floor that you can trip over. You know, that's like you'll be surprised. Like, like even like doesn't matter if you're older or adult or younger, we all can trip. So we want to eliminate that um, that that potential, right? So like that's like rule number one. Rule number the next, next suggestion is to know yourself. Know your you know what challenges you the most if it's a balance exercise, and they'll start at the hardest because it's actually called progressive training. The brain is an amazing, it's a marvel of the universe. It can literally adapt if you keep giving uh, a certain type of outside, uh, what's the word, stimulus or stimuli, and it will start to respond, and your body and your brain will start to adapt to that, to that stimuli. So if you're constantly doing single leg exercises, a certain one, over a period of time, you technically should be getting better one way or another. And then you would need a little bit more challenge. So my recommendation for safety, you would start with something that's not like on a scale of 1 to 5, or 1 to 10 is like a 3 for challenge, and then you work your way up. How long should that take? Is that something, I mean, is that all individualized, or should it happen in 30 days, or...? It can go both ways. So you can you, you can say, like, so if you're going to, my recommendation is to, just so like with the internet now, you can get introduced to various body weight exercises. Like if you went to me on my website or if you follow me on social media, I'll reach out. I'll be more than happy to send some links to you. Once you know, once, once you identify an exercise you want to practice, right, then, then you just set a, then you set a realistic schedule. You're like, I'm going to try to practice it three times a week. I've had people practice it three times a day. You know, they spread it out. So it just depends on your lifestyle. You choose the exercise that you want to, to, I don't want, I can use the word master. And then we start. We we have. Then we then you set small little um, goals to achieve that. So if your schedule allows you to do it three times a week, then it's three times. So whatever's realistic for you is what I hear you say. And you know, don't. And this is what I find with people that want to come. They come in and they want to make change in their life. They want grand change. They, you know, and I'm like, well, you can get to grand change after a period of time, but change, particularly with neurofeedback, with neurotherapy, you know, it's subtle. You start to see that it's very subtle change. You get more clarity. The brain is calmer, but you're not going to be the rock star in three weeks that you want to be. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be that rock star. You just got to do the work. Well, just perfectly, because this kind of ties into everything we talked about. So there's an acronym for the word time, and the acronym is Things I Must Earn. 
Oh. And it's been my experience in physical you know, training that the way it works is like this. Once you initiate an exercise regimen, you literally will feel better. First, it's the feeling. It's like, wow, I feel better. I'm actually doing it. Then you start to see it. The physical change of your body takes time. The feelings are immediate, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah. So things, yeah, things I must earn. So over like two or three weeks, you should start to, uh, other than feel, start to see a change in how your body is adapting to it. And on the flip side, you can start to lose what you gained in about 21 days or more of not doing that activity. So I have to put that out. <laughs> Well, I mean, that's just three weeks. I don't know about you, but I can do anything for three weeks. And if I see a result, I'll do it for another three. Beautiful. And your audience can do that, too. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, you've done some work as a consultant for team development. And I touched on this a little bit earlier. Is creating change for a team different? I mean, because we've talked about what, how to approach individuals. But with for a team, do you just say, okay, we're going to have a new team norm? Or what's your approach? Well, it's, it's very similar to... Uh like even our conversation or when I'm starting to work with a new client or even when I do my videos, my exercise videos online, I'm just going to be really forward. I I want to, I have to, I want to build your trust. I want to earn your trust. So my trust is by having you do small, small activities that will make you uncomfortable. So I need to get you comfortable with being uncomfortable and knowing that it's safe and you're and it's achievable. And through that process you start to build trust with me. And from that trust I can make suggestions of certain areas that might need improvement while I'm highlighting areas that you're doing really well in. So there is that balance. I, I, I don't I'm I'm big on p- picking people up all the time. But we always can have room of improvement and and that's where I come in with the um, with the motivation part and then a strategy of how we can do that. Because saying you need to improve and not having a strategy is not a win win. You you wanna have a plan too. Well, I don't know about you, but I think everybody's got to have a plan. You've got to have goals. And the plan is, what are the steps that you need to accomplish to achieve those goals? Or or I work better that way. I need to know where I'm going, and I need to see the road ahead of me, because when I don't, I can get lost. I can go around in circles. Oh, yeah, that's for all of us. I just came up with a, uh, a plan for your audience who wants to start incorporating uh, breathing. So I'm very sure they're loyal and they listen to you all the time. Uh, why don't you try one minute of breathing before every show and one minute of breathing after the show? Here's and- the plan. I th- that's beautiful. And even if you, you know, try one minute of breathing twice a day, if you don't listen to the show, that's so, that's so easy. And one minute of breathing can be hard work if you're really focusing on getting that, you know, that, that breath down around your belly button. That, I mean, it, I sat through many a red lights until, until I got that down. Thank you for that tip, though. That is great. Because I think um, a lot of times if we try to 
like textbook knowledge is like you know breathing is great the physiological change but applying it in real life is like not it's not that practical so if i by me saying you know if you ha if you it's scheduled in the person's in their, in their weekly schedule to listen to you at this time so it's in the schedule so now it just becomes a habit where every time i listen to lee i'm going to practice breathing so there is that that uh, structure and then i like analogies so you this is going to be kind of funny and weird so when you're breathing you can think i want to smell the roses and then i want to blow out the candles <laughs> That's great. And and that makes such an important point point because it's not about just the inhale, it's about the exhale too. Yes. Yeah. That is and practice does make perfect. Well, you know, I, I love tips, and I know the audience does too. We've got about four minutes left. So if you had maybe two or three other tips that you could share, what would they be? Well, I would say hydration is under – hydration is very important. Many people don't um, – Many people don't know how much water is they need to drink, so I like to give just practical tips on that. So whatever you weigh, so if you weigh 200 pounds, you want to drink your, you want to drink that, and you want to drink half your body weight in ounces. So if I'm 200, I want to shoot for 100 ounces of water a day. So you'd be like, wow, that's a lot. Then you can break that up. Be like 25 ounces before noon time, 25 ounces before dinner time, another 25. You know, it's not the actual hundred. It's the it's the idea that you have a, a goal and you're going to shoot for it. So it gives you it gives you parameters. And as Lee knows, and I'm pretty sure she talked about it many times. Hydration ties into mental health and how your body processes uh, and the body processes uh, weight loss, energy strength and everything in between. Thank you for bringing up hydration because I have that conversation regularly and I'll have people say, oh, I drink a lot of water. You know, I have like three cups of coffee in the morning and that my response is coffee is dehydrating. Well, it's water. So thank you for bringing up the importance of hydration and that not everything that you drink is hydrating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's one. I think you asked me two things. Two tips. Yep. Um, the next tip, and this is going to be, I think this ties in to community. Check in with your friends or family or your neighbor. See how they're doing. If you, you know, if you do that regularly, great. But if you may have someone you haven't talked to in a while, just reach out to them. See how they're doing. So we, we acknowledge at the beginning of the show that it's stressed out 2020. And by your effort, just sending a text, you know, thinking of you or calling could be rewarding for you too. And I, I just wanted to put that out there. Well, I think that is a great, a great tip because when we're in our survival stage, as we've been in, all of us have been in the survival stage for some point of 2020. We lose sight, we lose sight of the, the importance of our community. You know, we're just trying to get through the day. 
And But how long does it take to pick up your phone and to think, who haven't I sent a text to? Or if they're an email person, who haven't I you know, sent an email to? Because I don't know about you, but just knowing it, that somebody's thinking about me puts a smile on my face. Oh, yeah. It goes both ways when you receive it and then when you send it. You know, it just be like you cross my mind, you know, Julio. That's all. Yep. No, no. I, when I do that, I don't have any expectations like they're going to reply. I just do it just to do it. And uh, 99% of the time, they're very surprised and grateful. And, and thank you for bringing up grateful and gratitude in our last few seconds because that's one tip that I would offer is that stop and take the time and think of what you have to be grateful for and thankful for because we all, we all have goodness in our life. We just have to stop, take the time, and see it. Julio, thank you so much. You have been a fabulous guest. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. On behalf of Lee Richardson and the Brain Performance Center, we want to thank you for listening. If you'd like to hear more episodes like this, visit us on iTunes, Google Play, Toginet, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify,